Welcome to the Wizardist Podcast. I'm Paul Canetti. This is episode 12. Today I am trying something different, which is a solo episode. There is no guest today, um, but instead I wanted to take an opportunity to share some of my initial thoughts about iPhone 10. Apple announced last week uh, a special new phone to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the iPhone. So in addition to the iPhone 8 and iPhone 8 Plus, there is now going to be the iPhone 10, spelled iPhone X. And I think it's a pretty significant uh, event. And even though none of us have tried one yet, there's already a lot of talk about the implications of this device. I originally was going to write a blog post about it, but I thought that maybe it would be an interesting experiment to record uh, myself just telling you what I think instead of writing you what I think uh, and to sort of mess around with the podcast format a bit as an open forum to just share thoughts. Um, And I've never really done it before. I've only interviewed or had conversations with other folks. Um, And so while I've written a lot about tech, when you write, you go back and there's a draft and there's edits. This is more freeform conversational, uh, even though there's only one person in the conversation. So anyway, uh, let me know what you think of this format in general. And of course, what you think about what I think about iPhone 10. The main thesis here is that I believe iPhone 10 is the world's first mass consumer augmented reality device. And I will tell you why I think that after this funky music. So the iPhone 10 as an augmented reality device, we call it a phone, but the truth is it's been a long time since iPhone and any smartphone was really a phone first and foremost. These are small computers. These are pocket-sized computers. And in the same way that if you go and buy an Oculus uh, Rift you know, VR headset today, you need to go and buy like a PC tower, like an, uh, an old school computer just to power it. The truth is that now that sort of computing power lives uh, in this tiny thin device with this amazingly big screen. There is so much controversy, if you want to call it that, uh, about the iPhone X already, which is mostly around the screen and this notch in the screen and the rounded corners on the screen. And there are much more famous tech writers uh, and bloggers and podcasters than I that are just obsessed already with this notch and the screen. If you want to go and read about that, there's plenty of stuff out there. I'm not going to talk about the screen hardly at all. I think the shape of this iPhone and the thinness and the lack of a bezel or a smaller bezel, I should say, and the notch and all of that good stuff is cool and interesting. And like almost everything that happens with Apple, everyone says they hate it when it first gets announced and then everyone ends up loving it. I've certainly been guilty of this over my lifetime of loving Apple. Now I know that about myself. And so I fight the urge to uh, poo-poo something before I even see it or try it because I always end up liking them. And so I've learned to trust the process. But even if the notch is as bad as people say it is, 
it doesn't matter because the point of iPhone 10 is not the screen or to have a larger uh, device. It is about augmented reality. It is about the camera. It is about the machine learning and new processing power that happens on the device itself. It's about the facial recognition and tracking that powers Face ID. And even the way Apple's marketing it is because most people are not necessarily shopping for an AR device right now. They're shopping for phones with big screens. And so all the marketing you're going to hear about iPhone 10 is about how awesome the screen is. Uh, but I really do think it's almost like a decoy um, and is not at the core of what makes iPhone 10 so amazing. And when Apple says that iPhone 10 is the beginning, that it's setting the stage of the next 10 years of iPhone, I really do believe that it's, it's the iPhone 10 is a lot more like the iPhone one, uh, than like iPhone eight or seven. This is the beginning of sort of a new generation of these devices. And unlike Oculus um, or some of the other VR, AR type entries, the play here is about the camera. So, of course, you need a screen to see what uh, other people are doing. Um, but to capture the world around you, it's really about the camera or cameras and the different sorts of sensors that are on the device. And so saying camera is actually too limiting. Right on the front-facing panel, the sensor housing, aka the notch that everyone hates so much, has uh, a regular camera, it has a microphone, it has a speaker for the audio output, it has a dot projector, which literally projects uh, tens of thousands of tiny dots on your face so that the software can track the contour of those dots, it has an infrared camera on it. It has a flood illuminator. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but it sounds pretty cool. Proximity sensor, which all the iPhones have, so it knows if it's up to your face or not um, to mute the screen. And an ambient light sensor. That's a lot of stuff. That's actually eight different things all happening in that notch. Um, and someone pointed out on Twitter I saw yesterday, it's basically like the Microsoft Connect that big thing that sits on your TV mantle is now contained in that notch, the one that everyone continues to complain about. And so why is this important? So let's first start with Face ID, okay? Face ID is the new replacement for Touch ID where the phone will be able to recognize your face using that front-facing camera and all that other nifty stuff, uh, all those other sensors. And it will know if it's you. So the phone knows if I'm Paul or if I'm not Paul, and that's how it unlocks the phone. But third-party developers actually have access to all of those same cameras and sensors as well. And you can see um, the first sort of demonstration of this is in Apple's Messages app um, and really across iOS 11 where there's this new thing called Animoji. And Animoji is a mashup of animated and emoji. And an emoji basically allows you to turn into an emoji. So you can pick one of your favorite emoji. Uh, like let's say a unicorn is one of the things they used in the demo. And you, it's like putting on a unicorn mask. You can talk and move and shift your face. And it's tracking your movements and over 50 muscles in your face. And 
translating them over to the unicorn's face. And so as you speak and as you make different facial expressions and as you turn your head and nod uh, or grimace or smile or wink, the unicorn does all those things in real time. And then you can capture that and send it to your friends and it's a cute little thing. And everyone is posting, this is such like a sort of silly throwaway nonsense feature. Um, It's cute, whatever. But it is so much more than that. Because if they can turn you into a unicorn, they can turn you into anything. So now let's say it's not a unicorn. Let's say it's you, but you're wearing a wig. Okay, now let's say it's you and you're wearing a wig and you have different colored eyes. Now let's say that you get a virtual chin implant and so on and so forth. They can replace every part of your face until you just look like someone else. I don't know if any of you have seen some of the work being done on um, sort of machine learning uh, algorithms applied to large samples of video libraries. For instance, I saw one recently where they basically analyzed a bunch of Obama speeches and then they were able to create fake video footage based on Obama's audio alone. So using just the audio track, they could make an Obama head say anything. And it really looked like Obama was sitting at his desk talking to you, um, but that video never happened. And it looks 100% real. There's no way that as a layperson, I would know that that wasn't a real video of Obama giving a speech behind his desk. Um, In reality, it was using the audio from, let's say, a speech he gave at a college commencement, but I was seeing him sitting behind his desk, which never happened. It's the same thing. You could turn your own face into Obama's face and use your audio instead of some pre-recorded Obama audio and apply it there and you would see a video of Barack Obama saying the things that you said and making the exact facial expressions that you were making. Instead of being a unicorn, you would become the former president of the United States. This has totally insane implications because anyone can record a video of someone else saying and doing things that they never did. And it's very, very hard to tell the difference between real and not real. And this is just the beginning of this technology. Again, this is the first version of a device like this that's going to be available to the mass market. Imagine how good it's going to get and how good the software is going to get and what amazing things developers are going to create to take advantage of this new software. And so... An emoji is just the beginning. Face ID is not even the main draw here. It's the fact that they can track your facial expressions in real time and map them onto any virtual object. So, you know, when you see like the behind the scenes of some of these amazing movies like, you know, Lord of the Rings with Gollum or Planet of the Apes, there's that like famous actor, I forget his name, that has um, won awards for wearing all those little like sensors and those like little golf ball suits and goes on a green screen and records all his movements and facial expressions. And then that becomes the animated character in the movie. You can now do that. That's what the unicorn thing is. Um, This amazing technology that used to only be available to like the highest end movie studios is now available to anybody that has an iPhone 10 and you can become anyone or anything else and record a video, which is insane. And that can be for pre-recorded video or live video, right? So 
you could be video chatting with someone. Um, how do you know if it's really them on the other end? And if you pre-record a video and post it online, there's no way to know if that ever happened or not, which is very, very strange. Um, and it's not just about faces, right? So you can also replace the backgrounds. And there are a lot of apps that that already um, do this and, uh, you know, photo booth on the Mac OS for years. You've been able to uh, essentially create your own green screen. It looks like you're at the beach or something, but it's pretty bad quality, but it's getting a lot better. And so if you look at apps like Snapchat, for instance, um, they've been doing some of the amazing facial sort of augmentation for a while without this camera. Now they've redone it with the new front-facing camera on the iPhone 10, and it looks like even more realistic. But also they've started experimenting with um, effects that you can put into the world. So it looks like it's snowing or it looks like there are virtual objects around that aren't really there. And this is what ARKit is all about. So ARKit is a new development framework that Apple announced back in June that really is now ready for prime time with iOS 11. And in combination with the iPhone 10, it gets really crazy where you can basically place anything in the space and it stays there as if it was real. So for instance, let's say you put a giant T-Rex in your backyard. Um, if you're looking through your phone, it really looks like there's a T-Rex in your backyard. If you take the phone away, obviously there is no T-Rex. Now let's say that the T-Rex is standing still and you go and walk to the back of your backyard. Now you're standing behind the T-Rex, you would see the back of the T-Rex. Now you walk over to the T-Rex's foot and you face the phone down at the ground, you would see the top of the T-Rex's foot. It's as if this being, this object, uh, this dinosaur is really there. Uh, and as long as you're looking through the phone, um, it is relative to the real world um, in a way that a true dinosaur would be in that space. And this doesn't have to be um, another animal or even object. Um, like for instance, Ikea uh, has an AR app where you can virtually put a couch in your living room to see how that couch would look. That's awesome. That's like a really, really great use case. But also you could change the entire background altogether. Um, I saw a demo where uh, this developer made it look sort of like the uh, upside down world from Stranger Things. And so um, the video is in like an alleyway or something like on the street. And then you hold up the phone and it's got all these creepy vines and bugs and it's dark and there's fog. Um, but it still looks like that same alleyway. And if you look without the camera... Uh, it's just obviously the normal alleyway. And then you look through the camera and it's this weird sort of parallel dimension, scary version of it. And combining these different technologies, I mean, you can imagine creating uh, a different background. There can be different people or objects or things uh, in the video with you. And then you yourself can be someone else, right? So I could record a video of myself, but the end result would, I would have a different face or a different head or literally take on the persona of a different human being. Then the background, instead of being in the studio here, I could be anywhere. There could be other people, objects, things, animals with me in the frame uh, that also are not here. And I could record that video and post it online and no one would know that none of that really happened. 
And all of that you can produce on your smartphone. And so when people talk about the price point starting at $999, that is an insanely cheap price to get this sort of technology. It is truly insane. Not even just your face, but think about it. You could replace your clothing. You could replace your makeup. Uh, you can get, you know, beautiful diamond earrings. You can replace uh, your couch from Bob's Furniture with some amazing, you know, uh, restoration hardware couch. Like, you can change everything. It's like Photoshopping in real time. And Photoshopping not photos, but videos. That's what AR really is. Um, it's like, so the T-Rex example, uh, they used a T-Rex in, in the Apple demo, but think about like when Jurassic Park came out, Jurassic Park was so revolutionary because they used the computer graphics to create all the dinosaurs. And it really, really looks like they're there. And the fact that these amazing artists were able to use the computing power of the day to do that is really amazing. Um, but that cost millions and millions of dollars and had these incredible experts in the field. I mean, just, you know, the, the most sophisticated computer scientists, designers uh, in the world working on it. And it took months or probably years to create those effects. And now anybody, literally anybody, could pick up their phone and put a dinosaur in the shot. And not only that, but instead of rendering it from one single angle, which is the way that movies are made, in real time, you can move 360 degrees around that object and it will stay put and you can see it from any angle. The lighting, the shadows, the reflections will all be rendered in real time. It's truly in sane to think about what we all have now in our phones. If everyone had the power to edit the world and edit themselves in real time in any way that you wanted, why would you leave it as is? Um, unless it was sort of a throwback, you know, sort of retro look, hashtag no filter. The idea is that the filters now are just out of control. Um, and this democratization of this sort of technology, this equalization that now is available to everyone is really, really powerful and has so many amazing implications, both good and bad. It means that, you know, for amateur filmmakers, the possibilities are endless. It means, I mean, think about just for kids and, and for entertainment, just how amazing and fun it will be to create these virtual worlds and to augment ourselves in all these amazing ways. Um, but then it is scary and the implications are strange when you think about the idea of misrepresenting the world, not for fun, but for malicious purposes where you can make a politician or a celebrity um, or someone's you know, spouse say and do things that they never did in a way that's indistinguishable from a real video of them. And you can make it seem like they were in a place that they never were. 
even if they've never been there before. And they can make it seem like they were with you, even if they never were with you. Or you can make two people seem like they were together, even if they never were together. And so all of a sudden, a video is leaked of, you know, two presidents meeting in a cafe. Neither of them were ever there and they've never met each other. But the video looks really real. How do you verify that? And uh, in parallel to all this, by the way, um, there are amazing breakthroughs happening in audio technology and reconstructing voices um, in a way that, you know, in combination, you could make someone say whatever you wanted them to say in their own voice, which also is totally freaky. And in combination, you could create completely falsified scenes. One thing that really strikes me here is that all of this is essentially becoming free, right? Because forget iPhone 10 version one, the price point, the prices drop, everything goes down. Eventually every smartphone on earth has this technology in it the same way that every other high end uh, technology sort of makes its way down to every single device. And this commoditization of this groundbreaking, just unbelievably powerful software, the costs essentially get driven to zero to create. And uh, there's going to be this proliferation of content, which of course we're already seeing, but this content will become so much more complex and so much more confusing and so much harder to parse uh, again, what's real and what's not. And everyone on earth will be able to create it. So even something that is created just for fun gets posted and is misinterpreted as being real. And all of a sudden you have this snowball effect um, where anybody is can create anything. And what does it mean for the professionals in the field? Uh, the people that are creating these, you know, amazing special effects, for instance, uh, Lucas films or whatever. Um, and now any 10 year old could pick up their phone and do it. It's amazing uh, the potential ripple effects that technology like this could have. And then, of course, when you think about Apple's play here, um, you must also look at this in the context of some of their other hardware. Apple Watch, AirPods, these are all part of the AR story. Um, Apple Watch Series 3 with a cellular data connection. The AirPods got a little functionality boost uh, with iOS 11. And you can imagine a world, ironically, where you don't even need your phone because you just leave the house with your watch and uh, you have essentially a miniature iPhone on your wrist. And then with AirPods, um, you can do a lot through audio and Siri and just sort of glance at your watch when you need to um, using dictation and audio cues. You can get away with a lot. Now, of course, this is about AR and about cameras. And so we need to introduce the phone back in. It does seem inevitable, and I don't know when the timescale is, that we will replace the phone with some sort of glasses or contact lenses or visors, something that actually is in front of your eyes all the time. So instead of holding the phone up and seeing the AR, uh, and seeing the AR world through it, the phone's just up all the time. Um, and Google Glass obviously was ahead of it's time in this regard, but that does seem inevitable. It's interesting because if you look in a VR headset, even some of the best ones, you can tell 
that it's not the real world based just on the resolution of the screen. And so I even think about things like the super retina screen included with the iPhone 10, which has the highest pixel density of any iPhone in history and maybe any smartphone in history. I don't know. Um, I wonder what it looks like really, really close up. Like if that screen was just a couple of centimeters from your eye, could you see the pixels or are we getting to a point where the screen resolution could be so good that even at very close range, you won't be able to tell that it's a screen because that sounds like a really good kind of screen to put into a VR, AR, MR, uh, that means mixed reality headset. Uh, and that's definitely something Apple's going to move towards. They filed a few patents about he- uh, glasses and headsets. And so again, the time scale is unknown, but eventually you can think of the iPhone 10 as becoming a pair of glasses and you don't necessarily want to wear those glasses all the time. So that's why you have the watch and the AirPods. And then when you want to sort of enter in to that fully immersive experience, you put on the glasses, which is essentially an iPhone 10 uh, that goes on your face. And the camera is so vital there because the camera captures the world around you and you see it through the screen in real time with the layer of augmented software reality on top of it. And so this whole idea of like a transparent pair of glasses that's somehow projecting some little hologram or, you know, some sort of transparent screen, to me that just doesn't ring as true as uh, seeing the real world through an amazing camera And ultimately, you are in a fully immersive screen experience, more like a VR headset that's capturing reality in real time through the camera. Um, Now, the other interesting thing is thinking about your own facial recognition. If the phone is sitting on your face, it can't also be uh, capturing your face with the camera and the sensors and all that. And so I also wonder about the Apple Watch and whether eventually a lot of the sensors that we talked about, the... uh, the infrared and uh, the dot projector and all that stuff actually being on the watch where you could sort of face it at yourself um, to capture that. Again, we're, we're talking deeper into the future here, but it is interesting to think about where all this stuff eventually leads. And so if we really think about a world where everyone is in AR all the time, we're walking around with these augmented reality glasses and you're walking down the street and, you know, in front of every restaurant, every store, you see the star ratings on Yelp uh, and you can see, you know, uh, that two blocks away, your college roommate is walking over there in case you want to try to go and say hi. And every Starbucks you pass, it tells you how long the line is. And there's all of this sort of information layered on top of the world. But besides that, let's say now you pass someone um, and you see they're wearing a suit. Well, are they actually wearing a suit or is the suit part of the augmented reality? And so, for instance, in a networked augmented reality world, imagine if instead of getting dressed in the morning, uh, maybe you put on something basic like a T-shirt and some shorts. But then you said, I want to wear a suit today. And what it means is anyone else that sees you will see you in a suit, even though you don't actually have to wear a suit because suits are uncomfortable. 
And then uh, let's say that instead of doing your makeup in the morning, you choose some virtual makeup using the facial recognition uh, and tracking technology, right? And it's super easy at any time of the day. You can just sort of swap out your eyeshadow or your lipstick or your hairstyle for that matter, your hair color, your nails, anything, right? And again, everyone else that sees you, since they're also wearing augmented reality glasses, uh, they can see that uh, when they look at you, even though it's not really there. And you do this over and over again. You walk into an office and the walls are decorated with all this cool artwork. It's not really there. And the desks all look like they're made of this amazing, very you know, fancy, high-quality oak but really they're Ikea desks and the whole world around you can be completely modified however you want or in this sort of networked world, the way I imagine it really going is people sort of have control over certain objects and certainly over themselves and then you see things the way that they've set them. Uh, so if you came into the geofence of the Maz office, you see the office the way that Maz wanted it to be seen. And it's a really weird thing to think about, but everything you see is different. In fact, again, thinking back to the unicorn and sort of replacing your face with someone else's face, you could meet me and be surprised to later find out that I don't look anything like the person you met. I could literally have a different face. I could invent my own face. I could invent anything. Uh, it's an incredibly powerful and admittedly sort of creepy idea, but this is the way the world goes where it's not just that you can recreate Jurassic Park um, the way that it used to take a whole movie studio and millions of dollars to do it. You can actually make the world into Jurassic Park and, and that can be the world that you live in. You could have a dinosaur follow you around all day as your pet raptor it would just trails you the whole day because you think it's cool and it's like your new Tamagotchi and then you can have a setting so everyone else also sees the raptor. And so um, all of a sudden everyone has a pet dinosaur and it's awesome. Uh, and iPhone 10 is the beginning of that. And this is all stuff that has been talked about for a long time. But again, we've never had a device in the market available for mass consumption at a reasonable price point. But this is just the beginning of what this technology promises. The really weird thing to think about is in this future where everyone has these headsets and everyone is seeing the augmented world instead of the real world, it seems like it would be comforting to know that you could just take the glasses off anytime, right? So I want to see your real face. I just take off the glasses. I want to see what you're really wearing. I take off the glasses. I want to see what the walls really look like in this office. I just take off the glasses. The strange thing to think about is that there might be nothing there when you take off the glasses. If everything really becomes uh, software, then the walls are barren in every office all the time. And people are wearing basically nothing or very basic white or whatever all the time. And no one ever does their hair in any style because you replace it all the time. And so seeing the world without the glasses almost becomes pointless. 
In other words, you take off the glasses to see the truth about the world, but the truth isn't there. The truth is actually inside the virtual world. That's where people are really expressing themselves. That's where uh, the world is really happening. Once everyone sort of adopts this technology and everyone sort of moves into that mode, that is where reality is really taking place. And so you escape it only to find that you're in an empty room with a bunch of plain objects or no objects. Um, and the people that you thought were there maybe aren't there uh, because they're they're just virtual representations and they really, you know, live in a different city. Uh, but it seemed like they were mulling about the office. It's a very, very weird concept. Um, you know, I wear glasses as in like, you know, prescription glasses uh, and contact lenses because my eyesight is bad. And for anyone else that wears glasses, if your vision's really bad, like mine is, like if I don't have my contacts or glasses and everything is super blurry, completely non-functional, besides the shower, I am never not wearing glasses or contacts. And the reason is because it would be pretty pointless, meaningless, useless to not be wearing my glasses or contacts. I can't do anything. The world basically is useless to me without them. And in a weird way, thinking about augmented reality and the future of where that's going to go is similar in that I think we get to the point where if you take off the glasses, there's nothing there for you and that everything is is uh, on the screen in front of your eyes. And that becomes, you know, the same thing where you, you take them off to go to sleep, presumably you take them off in the shower but otherwise they're on because otherwise you can't see the pictures hanging on your wall. You, you can't experience the world because the world actually is in there. And what's so cool about that is that everyone can have nice things and everyone can have nice clothes and everyone can go to, uh, you know, the most expensive theater tickets and everyone can have, you know, uh, famous artwork on their walls and everyone can have a pet dinosaur um, but there is something that feels like there's some humanity lost along the way. And I'm sure that people will still go into nature without their glasses and go on hikes and go to the beach. And I hope so. Uh, but I do think once, once we fully make the transition, um, and it happens fast. I mean, 10 years ago, there was no smartphone. If you walked around New York city, no one was looking at their phone while they were walking. Uh, and so even 10 years from now, I could imagine making significant progress towards the world I'm describing. And I'm not making predictions about the time frame, but in my opinion, it doesn't really matter if it takes five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. We will get there as uh, a species and the world is going to be significantly different when that happens. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that Apple and the iPhone 10 represent the beginning of that trajectory. Uh, so that's super, super exciting. And I highly recommend getting that revolutionary device. Uh, if you're choosing between an iPhone 8 and an iPhone 10, those couple of hundred dollars, think of it as, you know, a cup of coffee every day for the next year will pay the difference. And you can experience uh, this unbelievable technology 
that will give you a clue uh, as to what the future is going to look like. So that's uh, that's my little spiel about iPhone 10. Just some things that I've been thinking about, um, some notes that I had written down to, as, a, as a little outline of what I was going to talk about today. So I hope you found it interesting and I hope that um, it wasn't too boring just to listen to one person's voice, specifically my voice for the last, whatever it was, 30, 40 minutes. Um, next week, we'll be back to the normal format of, uh, I'll have an amazing guest on next week, uh, and the podcast shall continue, but maybe every once in a while I'll do one of these solo rants. Um, just let you know what I've been thinking about. So thanks for listening and, uh, look for a new episode next week of Wizardist.